This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome aboard. Normally we do a uh, cold open style, but we're going to kind of throw things a little bit to the wind a little bit here today. It's going to be a different kind of day here on the program. Thanks so much for joining me as always uh, across the Sportsnet Radio Network or on 360 or on Sportsnet Now. You're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for lending me your attention for the whole program, a couple of moments, a couple of segments. Thank you. Um, Elliot's in Florida right now for the general manager's meetings, and they might be breaking off or breaking apart right now. So if that's true, um, Elliot's got to chase an interview and talk, et cetera, et cetera, and we'll get to him at a different point in the program. If not, we'll bring him on here in a couple of moments. So I thought it might be um, a good idea to bring Matt Marchese on to do our production meeting here live on the air. Maddie, what have you put together today? Uh, okay, so we, we hopefully will have um, Elliot Friedman. <laughs> Who am I soon. talking uh, to? <laughs> the the general the general managers apparently are just starting to show up, according to Elliot. So our time may be uh, short All with right. him. Uh, the plan is okay. uh, Rich Peverly, Dallas Stars director of player personnel at twelve thirty five Eastern. I'll just give you the the rundown here. Uh, random player of the day. As by the way, do at the top of second hour. By the yes. way, okay, I want to call an audible here. Two two things. Two things. One. I think we might want to push random player because we're going to kind of do that with one of our guests. But hold sure. on a second. Uh, agree or disagree? I think Rich Peverly is going to be a GM in the NHL one day. I do. Uh, Rich, and you know what? Just a really thoughtful guy. I've you know, had a couple conversations yep. here and there with him. Really nice guy, thoughtful guy. And he's worked his way up in that Stars organization. Like he was, he was the sure uh, director of player development. Now he's the director of player personnel. He's, you know, what he is. He's really smart, Jeff. And uh, smart people usually get yeah, GM jobs. Uh, they usually do, and I think he's sort of destined towards that direction. I think we're going to be hearing, you know, one of these days somewhere down the road, Rich Peverly's name mentioned uh, around general manager circles, as we have recently with Daniel Briere, and we'll get to him in a moment. Uh, meanwhile, uh, what do we got in the second hour? We have Bruce Boudreau, of course, former Canucks head coach, former coach of the Ducks, the Capitals, you can go down the list, Minnesota Wild, uh, and now NHL Network analyst. Yeah. So. Uh, you wanted to do something yes. special with Bruce because he is a hockey lifer. Yeah. And you want to do what we yeah. call name association or word association. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do with Gabby in hour two. Now, his nickname is well-earned. His nickname is Gabby, as uh, as Maddie mentioned, the hockey life. And that's the name of his book, which is one of those books that I encourage everybody to read when it comes to hockey books. I know I go along about, you know, uh, Road to Olympus by Anatoly Tarasov, and I go on a lot about They Call Me Gump by Gump Worsley. Those are all good as well. But I encourage everybody to read Bruce Boudreaux's book, uh, The Hockey Lifer. Anyway, so I thought what well, might be fun with Bruce, since he's been around for so long and he's known and he's known and played with or coached uh, so many different people and been part of so many different events. I thought it might be a good idea and I'm going to sort of call the audible here. Why don't we bring him on a couple of moments earlier, punt the random player of the day till tomorrow because we're kind of going to be doing that with Bruce Boudreaux, but with a number of different names, but I don't just want to do names. I'd like to do events and places with Gabby as well. Like I really, I really, I'll be honest with you, Maddie. I've got real high hopes for this segment. I really hope that this one goes well because, and I think it will because this is kind of Bruce Boudreaux's wheelhouse. This is a sort of Monday afternoon story time segment with Gabby. So what do you think about punting the random to tomorrow? Yeah, I, I think that's just fine. I, and I, I agree. We're going to go through a lot of different things with Bruce. I'm curious to see what, uh, what rabbit hole we can enter with Bruce here. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's just it. Like, this is going to go, like, deep, 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 deep. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, Eddie, Eddie Murphy, deep, deep, deep undercover. Um, and then to finish up, we're talking to Lance Lasowski. Yes, we are. Uh, Buffalo Sabres taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Buffalo really struggling of late. And those playoff hopes are slowly starting to fade. But I wonder if we can call yeah. this a wildly successful season in Buffalo. Um... I think there have been wildly successful stretches and wildly successful moments and wildly successful performances. And by the way, as an aside, Rasmus Dahlin is skating this morning. And Rasmus Dahlin is on PP1 for the Buffalo Sabres. So, you know, we thought he was, you know, day-to-day questionable for tonight against the Maple Leafs. If I'm betting, uh, and you're, that's more of your bailiwick than mine, Maddie. I'm guessing that Rasmus Dahlin is in tonight, although... You know, Matias Samuelson's still out. Eric Comrie's out as well. Like, it's not good. But as far as wildly successful season, I think a playoff berth would have been wildly successful season. I think um, I think the Sabres took the next step. And I think players got established more than they have been in the past. Tage Thompson tops that list. Um, but I also think you throw Dylan Cousins into that conversation. I think everybody now has a newfound appreciation for Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, we wonder about Uka Pekalukanen and his future with the organization. Has he done enough to cement himself as number one? By the way, the other Buffalo story to follow now is Devin Levi, the netminder from Northeastern. So he's represented by Ian Pulver. Um, I think that that camp is going to take a few days to decide what they want to do, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if the goaltender is ready to turn pro. And I think that was one of the reasons why Eric Portillo wanted out because it seemed as if there were too many goaltenders higher than him on the depth chart. Um, he ended up getting moved, as we know, at deadline to the Los Angeles Kings. But anyway, that's another story to follow for the Sabres. So wildly successful. Don't know if I'd go that far. If it were playoffs, I'd say wildly successful, Maddie. Let's just say it was a really good season for the Buffalo Sabres. They rejuvenated the fan base. Um, a lot of players look really legit. You can see what the future is going to bring for the Buffalo Sabres. Kevin Adams very much sticking to the plan at trade deadline. It's a good season. It was a really good season for the Buffalo Sabres and their fans. I think that Buffalo fans know that this isn't going to be another false start and that this isn't fool's gold. So for that, I'll say this was a, a very good season. A wildly successful season? Eh, maybe for some of the players. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, by the way, we are calling Elliot right now because he said, let's get started. Uh, so we will see where this oh, goes. Oh, he did? Yes, he says, this is per the request of our guest right. uh, that we'll be calling Elliot. No, the only reason why I suggested a wildly successful season for Buffalo is that I know that one of the key things yeah. is to be playing meaningful games near the end of the season, which they still are. Like, they're not out of it, but they still are. So that's why I suggest yeah. that. But I know Elliot's on the line right now, so I will shut up. That's uh, that Sabres-Leafs game that uh, Maddie is talking about. It is part of Rogers Monday Night Hockey, Sportsnet Ontario, West and Pacific. Start time 7.30. Also at the same time on Sportsnet East, it is the Montreal Canadiens and the Colorado Avalanche. And here he is, freshly tanned, the one and only Elliot Friedman in Florida at the GM's meetings. Good morning, good afternoon, Fridge. Not yet. That'll come hopefully soon, but the uh, the tan isn't, isn't much yet. So far, but a very disappointing 36 hours. Oh, okay. 
Well, we'll, uh, we'll we won't worry about your tan or your uh, your bathing suit or uh, the ice and the cocktails and all those types of things or the golf or the long walks on the beach. Um, yeah. The GMs meet. There's a lot to get to here today, but you're in Florida. So, you know, set the scene for us. Uh, what's the scuttlebutt? What's the buzz? What are people talking about? As you know, GMs file in and then file out for lunch. What's the what's the word in Florida? Well, they met started meeting this morning at 8 a.m. This is uh, day one of the meetings. They'll meet uh, tomorrow morning and uh, Wednesday morning as well. Um, the commissioner won't talk until after the meetings are over on Wednesday. Uh, so usually that means Monday and Tuesday we get some smattering of uh, managers and Colin Campbell who runs these meetings. And we'll get an idea of what mm-hmm. they talked about this morning. Um, I, I, you know, I think David Poyle is going to talk today. Like these are obviously... You know, he's wrapping down his tenure as a general manager. So I think he's going to talk today. You know, as I said last night with Sean Reynolds, and I said with you on the pod, I don't know that we're expecting any headline-grabbing, on-ice kind of result here. Um, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. the, the biggest challenge is, and I find, Jeff, is that, and is that in this business you'll, you'll talk to a manager and they'll, like, something they'll say will be, really important to them. And the question is, how important is it to the other 31? How important is it to the league and especially the people at the top top of the league? Like, I do think earlier this season, the idea of the 84-game schedule was gaining some level of traction among the general managers because they want to fix how the, uh, like the, the lack of rivalry games in the division but then I heard at the All-Star break that the league really has no desire to have to deal with the players on the issue or negotiate with the players on the issue. So the biggest challenge, like, like I had one guy tell me this morning that, you know, despite the fact the 84-game schedule may go nowhere, there's a lot of agreement that there needs to be fewer exhibition games. Like that was part of that conversation, cut the exhibition games. So do we, does, does that right. become something? Like you talked on Saturday night, there was one team in particular, I think, that's really unhappy with the way three-way deals work. But the question is, are there, yep. is there enough agreement that that matters? So I think that's what we've got to figure out here. And I just wonder if the biggest stuff is going to be the off-ice stuff at the end of the week, things like the cap, things like the Ottawa sale, um, other conversations sure. here that, that turn out to be the bigger news. You see, you know, what we were getting at on, on Saturday night, too, with the idea of the three-way deal and teams retaining money, I, I still wonder about the future of the trade call. Like, this is the same way the NHL has handled trades going back to 1992, and as everything... Like, it seems as if like, a, a couple of things haven't evolved for a long time. Uh, one are the pegs that they use for the nets. The marsh pegs have been with us now for 30, 35 years, and various yeah. goaltenders have, have groused about it, general managers as well. Um, the straps on goaltenders' masks have not evolved since forever. And listen, we just saw Jordan Bennington most recently comma again uh, with a mask issue and the trade call as well. Like it's still the phone call in and we'll see if both phone calls match up. Like, you know, we live in a digital age now. I just wonder at which one of these managers meetings, Elliot, someone stands up and says, you know what, maybe it's time that 
the way we do trades gets a fresh coat of paint or it gets a, a new way to look at things because listen uh, you've been through numerous trade deadlines you know this better than i do you know come three o'clock it's like well trades will still trickle in and it will take a while and a lot of it is because of the trade call and people waiting on the trade calls etc you know we live in the digital universe now i've always wondered at what point someone's going to say let's bring this into the modern era you know what i mean yeah, I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong at all. I, I, you know, I, I do think there was a lot of conversation about that last year after the whole situation with Dodonov in Vegas and Ottawa and Anaheim. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. the league wanted that the, the wanted more information on the no trades and wanted to have it all, and uh, there was some pushback over that. So, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think there's. Like definitely in a three-way situation, it certainly sounds like there's got to be an easier way to find a way to do it. Like maybe all three of them have to file it digitally at the same time, so you don't get a situation where one part of the deal gets approved and a second part of the deal gets approved, and then the third team gets on there and says, "Wait a sec, that's not what we agreed to." And maybe that's the answer. I, I could mm-hmm. definitely see something like that. You know, there um, there was an interesting fight last night in the NHL, but it does wink at something that you've talked about, the Bokanji-Amama-Ryan Reeves fight, which really wasn't much of a fight, but if you know anything about uh, Bokanji-Amama and we all know about Ryan Reeves, you might have looked at that and said, ooh, this one is interesting, but it followed Ryan Reeves hitting Yuso Valamaki in the corner. Uh, the fight didn't go anywhere. It was shades of, and I'm going to really go in the wayback machine on this one, oh shades boy. of Marty McSorley versus Nick Fatiu, where they both sort of shadow box because neither wanted to engage, and what we thought was going to be fireworks just turned into nothing. Kind of like last night with the Mama and Brian Reeves. Um, But how much discussion do you think there will be about, you know, what what happens with the automatic fight after the hit? Well, I think, like, again, it's one of those things you never know how much traction it gets, Jeff. But but what someone did say to me this morning is he said, quote, unquote, there are important people who really feel strongly about that. So... When, with the way it was phrased to me, that says to me it's got a chance. And, and the other thing that's a factor here is that you don't need to change the rules. You just need to say, like, like the slashing crackdown or the obstruction crackdown or the cross-checking crackdown, you can simply say, guys, we're enforcing this. If there's a fight after a clean hit, you got to call an instigator. And I know that there will be pushback um, because some people are going to say, you know what, do we want a guy spending 17 minutes in the penalty box or getting kicked out of the game because they're trying to be a good teammate? And I'm sure to some people that that conversation will carry weight. But like I said, there uh, one GM told me there are quote-unquote important people that feel strongly that this has to stop. Now, I didn't get a chance to watch Rangers-Pittsburgh yesterday. Did this happen again to Truba, where he threw a big hit that so was clean Tru- and had the fight? Tru- 
no, but Malkin Malkin went over to him. Malkin, I think Malkin ended up taking a minor penalty too, but there was no one that was throwing down with Truba. He caught Alex Nylander yesterday in, uh, yeah. in the Jacob Truba spot, you know, right around the blue line there where, mm-hmm. you know, Nylander had his head down and he was looking like a juicy pork chop and Jacob Truba filled his boots as we're used to Jacob Truba doing. Um, but it's not like try to give the Penguins a soft landing here. It's not as if the Penguins have anyone that's really prepared to handle that. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, it might have been different if they if they did, but it was, you know, once again, Malkin, who now, by the way, um, holds the record for most career penalty minutes as a Pittsburgh Penguin. He passed that threshold um, this weekend. But, yeah, no, uh, Truba threw another one on uh, Nylander, and, um, but it didn't. It, it went... They're like they're, he didn't have to respond to it in any traditional sense. Not like okay. Graves and Valamaki with the, uh, the the shadow boxing from a mama. But yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. You know what? You're uh, you're in store that for ridic- in that was ridiculous. By the way, like that was just like Reeves was like he was just waiting for your mama to throw something so he could tie him up. Like you could tell Reeves wanted no part of. It wasn't that he was afraid of a mama or anything. It was just like I don't feel like fighting over this. Yeah, I don't want to do this. I just threw this check, and I'm not going to fight over it. Um, yeah. I think maybe the quietest presentation at the uh, at the GMs this week, Elliot, will probably be by George Peros and the Department of Player Safety. This has been a very, very quiet year, a quiet season for the Department of Player Safety. Last year, there were 33 suspensions. This mm-hmm. season, again, it's so far, and we're almost we're wrapping up here, only 16. Yeah. This yeah, has been and, a very uh, quiet year for suspensions, Elliot. Well, you know what? The, the one thing I do think is, is I do think the behavior of a lot of players, especially, like, it's not perfect. I think at this time of year, you always worry it's going to become a lot more ramped up because it's the playoffs. But even that Reeves hit last yeah. night on Valimaki, like he, like he waited. He timed it really well. He could have murdered Valamaki on that play, and he didn't. Like yeah. he, like like Jeff. Like to me, he waited until kind of Valamaki turned a little bit and and was and was in a position where at least he uh, was able to defend himself. Like he didn't get him in the numbers. He, like 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 I think that's the kind of hit that used to be like full plaster back of the numbers defenseman gets killed and like I thought Reeves did a much better job of timing it better and you can tell me if you disagree but I see a lot more of that now now the one that was controversial was was Austin Watson on Mott I know there were some people really angry that that hit got no supplemental discipline yeah um you know but but again, I, th- I do think in general, I see examples all the time of where people do a much better job of timing their hits or um, making their hits at points where people are in much less vulnerable positions. You know what I think about that for this season, Elliot? I think that's a reflection because I think that's a reflection of coaching. Like one, there's that discipline by the players acknowledged, but two, you know, we always would say, well, if this guy doesn't make that hit, the coach benches him or the coach sits him down or he doesn't play again. Clearly, Elliot, that's not happening. 
players mm-hmm. are pulling up or waiting until someone else is in a safer position to get hit. There are exceptions, of course. I know I can hear the chorus coming out. But by and large, we used to always say, oh, if this fourth-line player doesn't you know, finish his check, quote-unquote, on that play, he's not going to see the rest of the game. That's not happening. I think no. as much as this is a reflection of the players, I think it's also a reflection of how coaches are understanding the game now. It's not just it's not just the players for each. All right, JM. Uh, some of the GMs are coming out now, so I'm going to have to uh, get out of here. Go and uh, do a little bit of work. What is this work you speak of? Okay, off you go. Uh, Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Off to talk to general managers. There's